Welcome to the Antioch Network podcast, where we share stories of God at work in our world. My name is Daniel Malakowski, the U.S. Director of Antioch Network, and your host for today's episode, where we'll hear from the story of how God called, formed, and released apostolic leadership and gifting in the life of Todd Kincaid. Todd began his journey as a traditional missionary and then for several years in pastoral ministry. As he wrestled through whether he was called to be a missionary or pastor, he concluded that it was neither, but that he was called as an apostolically gifted leader. Todd, along with his wife Christy, now lead a dynamic ministry in Italy called The Hub in Rome, where they work primarily with unreached and underreached people groups and migrant communities. As we hear the story of God at work in Todd's life and journey, We'll hear how he uniquely shapes and equips his people for the specific task and assignments he is calling them to. All right, well, I am Daniel Malakowski, and I am coming to you today from Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm joined with my good friend and brother in Christ, Todd Kincaid, who's coming from Rome, Italy. So welcome, Todd. Thank you, Danny. Good to see you, brother. So Todd and I uh, had the, the pleasure of meeting in 2012, um, and he and his wife, Christy, began connecting with Antioch Network at a gathering in 2011. I personally uh, didn't get to meet you guys there because the birth of uh, our second child <laughs> was going on right in the middle of those meetings. And so the wise choice was to um, welcome him into the world. But in 2012, you guys did come to Phoenix um, and we got to begin to connect there. And in 2014, as you're starting this work that you're doing now in Rome, I was able to, to join you and your family and then come back again in 2015 and get to experience a little bit uh, more fully the work that had developed there. But uh, today I'm excited to kind of just get to hear your story, Todd, and how you guys uh, developed this call to this apostolic uh, ministry and vision of a hub in Rome and how that came to fruition. But before we do, I'd love to just kind of talk to you about how you and your family even began in missions. And if I'm correct, in, in 1991, you guys formally started that journey, and it led you to a number of different nations, to Haiti, to France, to Uganda, to East Africa. Right. Um, mm -hmm. How did that come to be, and uh, what was that experience like for you guys? Yeah, well, um, I had begun as a teenager taking some short-term trips and, you know, had come to faith in Christ in my teenage years, and um, you know the Lord was gracious, and it seems like I grew very quickly in those years, even in college ministry. And um, so, through a number of short-term trips, um, the, the Lord began to really put that burden for missions in my in my heart. I didn't really know what to do with it <clears throat> at the at the time, um, and. I actually had the privilege to go four consecutive years on a, like a one-week trip that our church had sponsored, and the, the fourth time it was just so heavy the call, and I was you know only uh, turning 20 years old at the time, so it wasn't like I was real seasoned either believer or you know as a man. Um, and of course, Christy and I at that time were engaged, and so um, the, the year 1991 was a pretty epic year for us and um i came back from that year 
in February from a trip. And, um, I mean, really the way the story went was I was trying to figure out, okay, I really feel called to missions. Christy and I are now engaged, but we've never really talked about this being part of our, you know, life together. How do I broach that subject with her? And so, uh, the first night I came back from that trip, uh, she brought it up to me. We were talking and we said, you know, the whole week you've been gone, I've been thinking about the mission field. And I think God is calling us to be missionaries. So, so after I stopped crying, we uh, began to talk about it a little bit. And obviously, God called us both. Um, I was, you know, on the, on the field short term and she was home in the States. So, yeah, that, that year, Christy graduated from university as a, with a teaching degree. And we got married in August. And just really since the Lord calling us to go, uh, you know, it was, we were young and and um, a lot of people thought we were crazy and we didn't have a lot of financial support. But we had some friends um, in Haiti who had been on that trip with me uh, previously in the year. And they had said, hey, do you ever come down and just visit and see what we do? And, and that, basically that was the only thing I knew. Someone had invited me to go to Haiti and I told Christy. And so we visited Haiti actually right after she graduated came back and decided to get married um, and go back. And so we actually got married in August of that year and moved to Haiti on December 9th of 91. So it was kind of a whirlwind, not something that as a young person I would, you know, give the counsel to do that. That's the way to go, you know. But um, we definitely, it was the Lord's call for us. We uh, overall spent three years in Haiti and I think it was really a formative time for us, you know, just um, Haiti is a very difficult place on a number of levels, spiritually, physically, the poverty, um, tense spiritual warfare. And just, uh, yeah, so it was it was a good training ground to just learn to, um, you know, for our marriage and uh, learning to serve the Lord and just walk with him. And um, of course, we were there like right after the president Aristide was was kicked out in the coup and then toward the end uh, we embargoed the country we were there during the embargo for a while very challenging um and we came out just before the our military invaded you know went in to occupy the the country mostly because everything was we couldn't just completely paralyzed couldn't do much and so during that time as we were out of haiti had to be out um, the lord began to open the door up for us to go and serve in france um, we were there for a short time, a couple of years, but it was an important time because we were in Europe, you know, and being exposed to the culture in Europe, but also uh, in southern France, especially heavy North African population had a lot of connection with migrants there, which kind of sparked the vision of what we're doing now. Um, yeah, and through God's sovereignty, you know, there was, we were knew we were supposed to leave France after a couple of years and um you know, we're praying about what God would have us to do next. Um, and the Lord opened the door through a mutual contact. A guy invited us to come and, and train leaders uh, as part of a, a Bible college, an extension program uh, in East Africa and in Uganda. So not the typical, you know, progression of people's uh, ministry lives, I guess. But I don't know if there is a typical thing, but... Uh, we, we just really see that in God's sovereignty, the, the things that we experience in all three of those places um, are a big part of 
what we're doing now. I mean, we're, we're in Europe, we're working with Africans, we're, you know, just uh, working with people in South Asia who are here in Europe. And so God used all those things kind of to weave into our fabric of, of what we're doing. And um, so after 12 years altogether in those three different countries, uh, the Lord called us back actually to our home area in Ohio, um, opened the door for us to basically a church plan, a new church had started and they called us to pastor, which I think was the final, um, you know, kind of pin in our, in our training, uh, because we have dealt a lot with leadership training and different things of that nature, uh, but had never really been involved in local church ministry having started so, so young. So we actually <clears throat> were part of the, uh, we're pastor of the church, uh, we're pastor and later we switched to a plurality of elders um for 11 years we did that so um that was kind of our 23 year journey before coming to italy anyway um just a, a real variety of things the lord allowed us to experience to prepare us for uh, starting the hub here in rome so during that season when you guys were back in ohio and pastoring it seems like this vision for this hub started to emerge in you can you um you know share with us how you started to sense that call and how you continue to discern that uh during that period yeah there were two things um that kind of really factored into the call you know to to back to europe um as, as we were pastoring the church, obviously our heart for missions had not changed. If anything, it had kind of grown. And we wanted our, our congregation to be very engaged uh, in missions. And it was and still is, you know, under the leadership today. Um, so we were taking teens back to Africa where we served. Um, from like 2006 or so, we started a discipleship network in northern, northern India, which is still going very strong today. Um, so I was traveling, you know, a couple, two or three times a year. The church was gracious to allow me to do that. And, uh, you know, seeing these things start and taking people to expose them to, you know, cross-cultural work. Um, of course, most of those journeys involve leaving the States, coming to a major city in Europe, London or Paris or someplace, and then flying to Africa or on to India. And really it was in, in that traveling that, the Lord began to give us that vision that, you know, a lot of these, especially unreached people's groups, they're, they're right here in, in Europe. And um, we have the freedom to, you know, to minister a lot more freedom here than in most of the places they come from. And then the second thing, which also factors into our connection with Antioch, was um, the Lord began to teach me, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, no one was talking about apostolic ministry apostolic gifting i mean i couldn't find anything that really was you know, it was very rare to hear people talk in such terms and at the same time i was kind of struggling to figure out my gifting because you know most people were um pressing me into a, a decision of are you a pastor or are you a missionary you know and really I'm neither, you know, I know now that I'm an apostolically gifted uh, cross-cultural worker. Um, but so during that time, too, you know, we this vision for a hub began to come forward from Christy and I. And at first we were like 
trying to recruit someone from within the church. Look, man, we, we were praying about London. We we're praying about Paris because um, we spoke French, you know. And so we were trying to recruit someone from the church, just kind of pass the vision on and stir people up to come and, and start something. And, and then as, you know, kind of the two things going concurrently, we, we discovered that, you know, that gift, that gifting of laying a foundation, starting something new, kind of preparing the way for others to come behind and minister uh, in other ways, that, that was our call. And so that's kind of when our thinking shifted from recruiting someone else to kind of, okay, Lord, here, okay, we will go. <laughs> if you want us to go, we, we will go. And, you know, you mentioning that, like, looking at places such as London and France where it would be easy to settle in just even from a language and culture standpoint because of your familiarity with those things. How did Rome emerge as the destination that you began to focus on and prioritize? Yeah, I would say probably up until 2009, I, I was pretty convinced that it would be London, you know, that we would start in. At that time, it was one, you know, the more multicultural cities in Europe and um, with a lot of different people groups in one's you know, relatively small area. <clears throat> so uh, 2009, we were praying about taking our, our first kind of our vision trip, you know, our first trip to somewhere. And there were two other couples that um, kind of we kind of had a mission network evolving out of our church as well. And that involved people outside the church, um, not just inside the church. And so so we were talking, praying, and one specific night, it was kind of like, okay, we need to decide to go somewhere and do a vision trip. And, um, you know, the six people, five people were of the of the conviction that uh, it should be Rome, and I'll tell you why in just a minute, but, and I was like, it's not Rome. That's not the, <laughs> that's, that's not where God went. I'm telling you, it's not Rome. <laughs> so... We had friends. We were in Fran- when we were in France. There was a Italian couple. They were just uh, <clears throat> interested in each other at that point. They were at the Bible school that we were part of in southern France. Um, he's he's half French and she's half English, and we became very good friends with them. And so, over the course of time, you know, they got married, and we went off to Africa and all that. And we kind of got out of touch with them. But right about that time, when we started praying about where to go, we you know, Skype was becoming a big thing and and we kind of started connecting with them again and just trying to encourage them and their call. And they were a bit discouraged and, you know, just their ministering things here in on the outskirts of Rome. And so, you know, everybody, the five, five of the six people in that group that were coming said, well, why don't we just go and encourage them and, you know, and nothing else will mark Rome off the list and then we'll, we'll move on to the, to the next place. And so, so I thought, okay, we can, you know, go visit Rome. It's not a terrible thing. And, um, you know, it was really strange was we met this uh, this brother that we came to encourage. He works in the airport, actually, at Fumicino, the main airport here. And um, so he, like, met us in the airport behind secure, where you could normally meet people, you know, because he works in the airport. And, uh, like, as soon as we got off the plane, he was there greeting us and, and I, <clears throat> I knew right then when he met us that something, I don't know, I can't explain it, but I knew right then that the Lord had called us to come here. I, I was surprised, you know, uh, a couple of weeks after our, our, prayer, our vision trip here, I finally asked Christy, who's 
more prophetic and very discerning, you know, after not really discussing it too much, I said, what do you think? And she said, I think that's where God wants us to be. So I had to learn another language. <laughs> but God, God has been gracious and allowed us to do that as well. So thankful for that. That's, uh, that's such a such an ironic story to, you know, him continuing to keep you mm. in a place of just humility and weakness. And, uh, you know, ironically, yeah, Rome is not a, a, a bad place to be, but to see it not be on your radar, then him settle that for you very quickly. Now, right. getting back to the idea of the hub, I know that the, the vision related to that was also something that was very much in development and in process. And so how did you come to discern not just the, the location and the sense of connecting with these um, unreached groups that were traveling to Europe, but this idea of an emerging hub that was multifaceted in its approach? Um, how did that come to be? And then how did that also unfold and form as you were beginning to discern this calling? Yeah, I would say, I mean, the initial idea was, you know, we borrowed the word hub thinking of airlines, like they have a hub in this city or that city. And, you know, the idea of a strategic place, you know, connecting places. And that was kind of the original idea anyway. But then there are a lot of people who began to kind of pour into that. Antioch Network was one, you know, and um, just... You know, people talking about, I first came to Antioch, people were talking about apostolic centers, and I started hearing the word hub. And so I know that this is something that the Lord has been doing, not just in us, but also, you know, uh, other teams in Antioch and other ministries as well. Um, so I'm, I'm not exactly sure how the multifaceted aspect came into it, but we knew that it was more than just, you know, even today, God is still like showing us, what okay, what does this hub look like and what is... You know, for us, the first, first of all, the hub, a hub is a community. It's people. You know, it's not a, it's not a building, and it's not a city, and it's not a, it's a community. And um, so, yes, I think that you know we're still seeing that kind of play out and come come together in some respects. But we knew it wasn't just a church, uh, like one single church. But we knew uh, our focus was wanted to be on the diaspora peoples and. Um, but along the way, you know, God is pulling Italians into this vision who are who are working alongside us, and uh, you know, other American missionaries, and you know, a very we have a, a Muslim background believer on our team, part of our our community. So it's becoming very, uh, you know, multi-ethnic, very diverse, and um, so that's it's interesting. It's still developing. You know, I wouldn't say it's finished, and we we could take the snapshot now, but the Lord is still molding and, and forming things. That's, uh, that's beautiful to hear that there's just that continued openness to allow him to lead and to shape and to speak into it. Um, now, I also wanted to just ask you, you know, how did you and Christy discover Antioch Network? Because one of the, one of the unique things with the Antioch, it's the part that really drew my heart personally to it, is that I, th- I, I think it's safe to say that its leaders are marked by humility. And so they're working to do things because the Lord is in it and it brings him glory and they're not doing it to boast about it or to build popularity or influence or these kinds of things. And so as a network, we're, we're not the, the most 
public-facing group there is and haven't been in our history, which maybe even makes it uh, hard to find us, but you guys did. Um, so tell me about that and connecting in um, 2011 at that network gathering. Yeah, well, first, I'm glad you gave the date because I was trying to recall when was that exactly? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can uh, always remember it because my son was born then. If I forget that, okay. I, I've, I've lost yeah, some father points there. <laughs> um, I remember very well the time in Washington State and Phoenix and all, but the dates kind of uh, get, get confused. Well, you know, really, it came during, the, you know, during this time of I was pastoring the church, traveling a lot to India at the time, as well as pastoring the church in Ohio. And at the same time, the Lord was had me and our other leaders of the church on gift of discovery of, of our own giftings, especially Ephesians 4, you know, apostle, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, and trying to just kind of flesh that out. What, what does that look like? And I was just growing in conviction that what well, part of that was I, I just ordered George's book. I mean, just on the fly, saw it. That sounds interesting. And not even thinking, I mean, there's no... There's no mention that, hey, this book is about apostolic ministry. There's four chapters in there that are. And just, those to, chapters were, just to jump in real quick for those who are listening, the book is George Miley's Loving the Church, Blessing the Nations. Um, yes. George is the founder of Antioch Network and uh, used to run the Lagos and Dulos uh, mission ships for Operation Mobilization. So just want that, that, to – so that's the book in particular that uh, talks Yeah, that's the book I'm talking about. So – so, you know, as I was reading George's, and just recently I went back through those chapters and was taking notes for some things that I want to teach others as well. Um, but reading those chapters, it, you know, I remember it was like going to the doctor, like, so that's what's wrong with me, you know? <laughs> I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. That's, what, that's what's wrong with me. You know, I'm reading this list. This is what apostolic people are like. I'm like, yes, that, you know, I've I'm, I'm been here seven years in the church, and I, I just I can't do it anymore. I have to, I have to go somewhere, you know? So, um, yeah, so in reading the book, you know, I remember finishing the book and saw, got on the website and um, just shot one of those random emails out, you know, and like within half an hour, uh, I think Warren from Virginia called me and Mark from Washington called me and and even they said it, it's a miracle that we contacted you this quickly. <laughs> Normally <laughs> would never happen, you know, like this and. But but even like on uh, on the website, the few places like uh, you know Warren was working in Cyprus at the time. I had just been in North Cyprus. I, I was coming back from India. I had a friend who was teaching there. I'd been in North Cyprus, and so there's just a lot of you know the places that that mentioned that people were working. And so, anyways, uh, I think it was Mark who Mark Snelling who just said, um, "Hey, we're getting ready to have a gathering. It's you know it's basically invitation only. Why don't you come?" Like, okay. <laughs> and he said, the subject is apostolic ministry. I thought, really? Oh, I need to, I need, I, yeah, I need to go, you know, I don't. So we basically crashed the party, didn't know a soul out there, you know, it showed up like, who are these? And it snowed, you know, like a freak snowstorm there that time, like three or four inches, which is catastrophic in Seattle area. It was crazy, <laughs> it was a crazy time. But people were, were very gracious and generous to just kind of, welcome us in and like who are you and why are you here and um so that's really how we got you know involved uh it was really this connection of apostolic ministry and um during that during that time there were several other books that i just you know they weren't titled anything about apostolic ministry but 
in a mission book or whatever, and there was a chapter or two on apostolic calling, apostolic gifting. And so God really used Antioch a, a lot, you know, the writings of George, the gatherings, to really uh, build our understanding and our connection with uh, apostolic calling and, and ministry. That's uh, really rich to hear. And, you know, I think um, I can resonate with you in that reading George's book um, and having that self-diagnosis of going, yes, this is why everything in my life has been somewhat painful to this point, because you're pushing exactly. a square peg in a round hole and mm -hmm. you're learning, um, yeah, that you fit in a, a slightly different paradigm. It's not wrong. It's of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's for God's purposes. And so, you know, the... The unique thing, too, is uh, those who carry that gift often do get pushed into a lot of isolated places, a lot of works that are they're, they're pushing boundaries. And there tends to be, um, you know, some loneliness that comes with it. So this idea of being able to connect and collaborate with others, it's a great protection. But one of the things I've personally received from it is not just the, the protection of fellowship and community, but also getting to learn from one another and allow God to speak to these unique visions through one another. And, you know, I'm thinking even uh, is you came to the next gathering in 2012 in Phoenix and a little bit of a friendship with the community apprenticeship to Jesus that was developed there that uh, myself and uh, our colleague Ryan Thurman were leading and how even as you guys were launching into Rome, just uh, to see that connection develop in some some cross pollinization um, is it it began to uh, in some ways speak into some of that vision but also as your vision was speaking into uh, the heart of that community and needing to grow in its calling to the nations and to mission and so how was that how was it connecting with that community and what was it like to bring other apostolic leaders into that conversation with you um, as you were as you're navigating and developing um, this specific work. Yeah, I would have to say it, it was really an essential part, you know, because, um, you know, I think at that, in my life anyway, at that point, very few people were talking about or speaking into my life as an apostolic leader. You know, like you say, most apostolic leaders kind of get pushed out of the, <laughs> the mainstream. And um, so it, it was actually that you're in Phoenix that, you know, having now knowing people and having been in connection for a year or so, um, we just felt like we belonged, you know. And I remember asking someone, look, I don't know what this looks like, but we feel like we want to officially be part of Antioch and not just, you know, come to the gatherings. Or um, And so at, so at that time, you know, I was, even, I was even told, look, God's already put our hearts together, and that's the main thing. You know, the, the other things are just formalities. So, um, yeah, so over the years, just, you know, with uh, A to J and with the Miley's and, uh, you know, the Thurman's and and just um, even being part of virtual gatherings during COVID and just um, having a group of people who are all apostolically gifted and understand these things and can speak to that and support each other is is really, yeah, it's it's the most unique group of people I've ever been around in my life. And. You know, any time that I'm with our Antioch um, brothers and sisters, it's just, uh, it's rich. You know, it's very rich and just, um, and it's called us, you know, into, um, the Lord's spoke deeply through uh, to us since we've come to Europe through 
the lives of Francis of Assisi and Patrick. You know, we've taken several trips to Ireland, and, and I think a lot of that appreciation for other you know, historic and other streams of the church that are not from my upbringing, uh, I, I would have never had that appreciation without uh, Antioch, you know, and the rich diversity that we have within Antioch from Messianic Jew to Catholic to, you know, all these different streams, very, very rich. Now, with that, I know uh, uh, others from Antioch then began to be able to kind of take part in, you know, some of these trips with you to Rome. I, I believe Ryan Thurman and uh, a, a gentleman who was a part of A to J at the time, who's now actually a parish priest, uh, Matt Rucker, um, within the mm-hmm. uh, Anglican Church, uh, they're able to to join you on one of your scouting trips, and then right. it was was it officially in 2014 that you guys began uh, in in developing this work in Rome and relocating? Is that correct? Yes, we we actually moved here in April of 2014, um, but Ryan and Matt, we we brought a team here in the fall of 13, just to kind of basically to pray to be here to all the people that we had kind of a a growing circle of contacts and we wanted to be with them and be a blessing to them as well and not just you know have it all be about us and what we wanted to do um so so really yeah antioch and a to j have been a part of what what we're doing here from the beginning you know that's uh that's rich and i know again personally i was able to come out uh in i believe it was june or july of of 2014, just after you guys had moved, Ryan and I brought uh, your education materials for homeschooling, uh, Maddie and Adam, um, in our, our luggage and backpacks, and uh, were able to to join you guys there on the ground right as it was was getting started. Is um, we were there in Italy with uh, some meetings with the Wittenberg Initiative, and so we're able to sneak down and see you guys for a bit. Um, and then in, in 2015, we were able to come back with a team from A to J and get to directly experience your hospitality. And I know those were very formative experiences for us as well, um, just getting to see this vision that God had placed in your hearts coming to fruition and just your guys' faithfulness to that call and to that assignment and the focus with which you guys were executing it. Because I know in the beginning, this idea of a migrant center, um, you were scouting properties, you were still dreaming it up. And now today, um, obviously, it's restricted because of COVID, but you you do have a center and you do have an active ministry to the migrant community that is in Rome that uniquely, uh, these past few years through all the displacements in the Middle East and North Africa, has put a lot more of that international community at your doorstep. So would you just uh, kind of unpack uh, for us what you are doing today and what ministry looks like for the hub in Rome and for the Kincaids? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, I mentioned that when we moved here, there are other places that seem to be more strategic. Um, But within like six or eight months of moving here, this historic flood of migration broke loose, you know. Um, initially, it was primarily coming through Turkey over into Greece and up up that way into Germany, but eventually they kind of shut that down, and for a year and a half, two years, I and mean, we had literally thousands upon thousands of migrants who were uh, coming from all over, you know, the, the least reached countries, what we call like the 1040 window, North Africa, Middle East, South Asia, uh, coming up through Libya, across the sea, into Italy. 
And so, um, you know, we, we literally had, you know, the world coming to us, you know. And so um, we started a, a, a migrant center, just wanted to have a presence in the migrant community. There are camps, like, scattered throughout the city in different apartment buildings, industrial buildings, hotels, things like that. And we also minister to the camps under normal circumstances anyway. But we've had um, the center opened in 15, 2015 in the fall. And we've had uh, people from 63 different countries come through our, our little migrant center. Um, and some of the biggest, you know, six of the 10 largest unreached people groups, we've had people come through. And so our, our regular ministry looks like, you know, the center, it's basically a community center. We, we offer English lessons, which has been a big draw for migrant families from places like South Asia for their kids. Um, we do Italian lessons, which people are going to integrate here. Um, they need to get proficient with the language. And, uh, and we're growing that, you know, as our, as our team grows and more people come, there's opportunity. It could be art, it could be a music lesson, it could be uh, we, we help with homework. And now since the pandemic started, we've also been doing food distribution uh, to these migrant families and refugees and also clothing distribution. So, so we have refugees who are the ones who've come across the sea and across the desert and just, you know, been through tremendous, tremendous things, um, you know, horrors that they've experienced to get to Europe. And we have migrant families who are basically here raising their kids here. And we also have some international students that uh, we have quite a few here in Rome as well. So we have three different streams of, of uh, diaspora peoples, you know. And, um, and we've also, I mean, the Lord's been faithful uh, to see to see some things happen. So, you know, we, we don't necessarily evangelize through English and Italian lessons, but it gives us this connection with people. And, you know, through having dinner, getting coffees, getting invited to homes, we, we build you know, evangelism through those things. Um, but like I said, we have we have a, a Muslim background believer on our team. He's from Bangladesh, a Muslim background. He came to faith in actually in Germany, but as we discipled him here. Uh, we've had a, a student from Iran who came to Christ and also, uh, another guy from Bangladesh as well. And the really amazing thing, you know, this is really kind of like it's completely God because, um, I mean, even when I found out what was happening, I was a bit surprised by it. But we actually have uh, house churches meeting in both Bangladesh and Iran that are 25 to 40 people uh, that are a result of the people who came to Christ here. And those people have, you know, shared the gospel with people in their home countries and and so that kind of back door, you know, into these hard to reach places um, is, is, has been opened and the Lord is using it. And it's uh, not been anything that we cooked up and dreamed up. I mean, obviously that was our dream, our vision. But, you know, when I found out, really, you started a house church? <laughs> you know, it's kind of that type of thing. So, yeah, so the gospel can't be stopped, you know. And uh, so we're, you know, we're praying our, our vision is to start other hubs throughout Europe as apostolic leaders, as our team is kind of solidified here, because we just feel like this has the potential to multiply greatly for the kingdom. That's fantastic. And, you know, a lot of times when I, th I think of a hub, I, I almost think of a like a, a bike tire and the many spokes that come out of it. And so that, you know, just that uh, 
the, the fruit of your guys' work and your faithfulness to that call, seeing those different spokes emerge in things that really were, you know, beyond um, any kind of earthly wisdom or vision to, to see happen, like you said, going to Rome and then it becoming the epicenter of these huge migration right. movements. And so what a what a a beautiful story of just God's faithfulness to share himself. Um to those who don't yet know him, and yet to call forth uh, those who do, um, and to be used by him to bring the gospel to those nations. And so, as we uh, as we close this time together, I, I had two questions I just wanted to ask you. Um, one is for somebody who is, you know, starting to have an emerging understanding of maybe they're apostolically gifted um, at this point in your journey what would you say to them? And then following that, how can those who are listening to this podcast be praying for you and Christy in the work that God has called you to there in Rome? Well, yeah, the first question I would say, I think it's vitally important to get uh, connected to, you know, an apostolic team or another apostolic leader, someone who has some understanding, um, you know, I was wandering, wandering around in the dark, you know, hitting my head on the wall for a number of years, not knowing, you know, how to describe this or, you know, flesh it out or put words to it. Um, so, so yeah, even even for us, you know, we have a, a training aspect of our work here. Um, our teammate from a Muslim background, he he's apostolically gifted. And so I'm kind of walking with him in that. And I think that's what people need really is, you know, Paul did it with others, you know, um, to have someone walk beside you. Uh, reading a book is great. That's a good place to start or, you know, listening to some kind of teaching. Um, but really walking this apostolic call with, with someone else, um, like Jesus did with his disciples, you know, um, he released them on a limited basis to walk with them, release them. Hey, OK, you go and come back. And then eventually, you know, he sent them out. So I, th I think that kind of stages in their training, uh, those stages are very important. Um, and we actually have started an apprenticeship here in, in mission and cross-cultural work. And, um, of course, me, I really have a heart for someone who comes along who feels trying to figure out what's wrong with me. Like like you and I had the same problem. <laughs> what What's my diagnosis here? Um, but to kind of walk beside them like, like George and other people have done for us, you know, to say this is uh, how we can give this a voice and give this uh, the words. Um, and just to help those people to understand their calling and to facilitate, you know, um, their, their being sent out like the church in Antioch did, you know, back in the book of Acts. Um, so I think that's really a vital, a vital part for someone who senses that, uh, that call. Um, yeah, then the second question about praying for us, I think uh, probably the same request for everyone who's in ministry right now is just the, the period of COVID and how do we navigate. Um, our center is closed right now by the the lockdown, quarantines, and things that we're under here again. We're uh, in the midst of another six-week, pretty much not 100% lockdown because we are getting out distributing food, but almost and um so yeah just it's been get this year has been a time of really being able to 
pray and kind of think through what what God has really called us to do, not only now but in the future. Um, I think you know my family spent almost a third of the year last year confined to the house. So, um, but on the other side of that, we we know that God is God is moving. We have we have connections and network opportunities with you know people in Paris and uh, places in Germany and Sweden and and so we're also just praying that God would lead us and guide us you know solidify our team here um, and then open doors for us to, to start other apostolic teams and places that are strategic as well so that would probably be my two big requests well Todd I, I thank you for sharing your story and the story of God's work and yours and Christie's lives and the work in the hub in Rome. And, you know, it's, it's not lost to me as we, we hear that story, the, the initial calling to the nations that you fully discerned in 91, and then the fruition of that calling and the emergence of an apostolic hub in 2014, you know, 23 years of, of, uh, discernment and formation um, in the mm-hmm. foundation that that's provided for the work that you guys are doing now. So it's uh, your your faithfulness to walk that out and to not just uh, discern your calling, but to allow the Lord to shape you into the kind of person who can walk in that calling is a great gift to the rest of us. And so, brother, I appreciate you and uh, thank you for thank being you. with us today. Appreciate you too, brother. My pleasure. <laughs>